You've stumbled across another front page football podcast. Or you actually meant to come here. Well, either way, Christian, strap yourself in and get ready to join us on a roller coaster of emotion more entertaining than the Western Sydney Wanderers' last four seasons. And more fun than Ernie Merrick's goal celebrations. Or something less intense than Kevin Muscat and John Cosmina's touchline scuffle. Anyway, Leo, this is the front page football podcast. And it's live. FPF family, hello and welcome wherever you're listening from. A very, very warm welcome to the second edition of the all-new Front Page Football Podcast. My name is Leo James and sitting across the table with me is Mr. Christian Marchetti. Christian, how are you? I am great, Leo. Uh, once again, good evening. Great to be on another podcast. And Yeah, I'm uh, doing really well, thank you. Thanks for asking. Uh, we've got a jam-packed <laughs> episode coming up for you this afternoon, uh, this morning, wherever you are listening from, whatever you are listening to us on. Yes. Bit to get through, hey. Albeit no A-League action, and that's the first thing we're going to touch on, is the A-Leagues, or the lack of A-Leagues at the moment. There's been mm. an overwhelming kind of amount of postponements recently, of course, due to Miss Omicron, who is currently fun, on isn't her... It? She's currently, I mean, she's on her world tour. Yeah, she is. She's on her Australian leg at the moment. So um, a few postponements, uh, especially Ah, for some of the New South Wales-based clubs (laughs) who make up about 80% of the A-League. Which leads to a bit of a discussion on the playing load of clubs as well. Mm. So um, we've heard a lot of coaches come out recently and mention um, they're a little bit worried, Christian, on uh, the load in terms of what their players are about to face in the upcoming weeks, the upcoming months. playing load. The, the, the playing load, there's going to be a lot of uh, midweek fixtures coming up. Yes. Um, and then uh, that, of course, leads to the FFA Cup as well. We're pretty excited here in Adelaide. Um, next Wednesday, Cooper Stadium, Adelaide United versus Melbourne Victory. It's going to be a big game. Yeah, that's going to be the highlight for sure of the quarterfinals. Uh, Adelaide taking on Melbourne Victory. Both teams, I think, winning this trophy would be a big, a big step for Popovich of victory and for <laughs> a bit for of a Carlton. turnaround for victory if they uh, if they won this hey yeah it would it would um, and we had Tom Pombart did an article on the site this week just explaining and discussing the Melbourne victory and, and the importance of potentially winning this mm. this uh, title you are in for a pretty spicy episode yeah on episode two, there's uh, a bit to touch on the Socceroos and their current 2022 FIFA World Cup qualifying campaign Mr. Christian Marchetti is not too impressed wow, wow. Mm. I'll do my own sound effect that time you don't think they're going to qualify long story short hey no and well, we'll touch on that yeah, we'll, we'll touch, touch on, on that, that. Yeah. Southeast Asian football should Australia be involved yes or no no Christian says yes I say no I well say, it depends no, in which capacity yeah, yeah I don't fully say yes it's more of a just have a look at it. Yeah. <laughs> Entertain the thought and then push the it to thought. the side. Yeah. And then we'll get to some podcast awards. And it's pretty funny because one of the podcast award names, they're going to win their so own award, I believe. A recipient of one of the awards this week is the award is named after him. Yes. So he's going to win his own award is what <laughs> we're saying. Yeah. Um, and then that. that should take us through to the end. Of course, frontpagefootball.net is the website to go to. If you're looking for more front page football, you can find links to all the socials there. And of course, if you want to get involved, if you want to get featured, if you want your thoughts featured, if you want to send through anything, X, Y, or Z, anything at all, 
get in touch with us across social media. Just search up Front Page Football on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. DM us, add us, whatever it might be. Or the other best way you can do so, Christian, is by getting in touch on the contact page on our website, frontpagefootball.net. So let's jump straight into things this week in the A-League. Well, there was only one game in the A-League men, but two games for the A-League women, including a very dramatic come-from-behind win, 4-2 from the Brisbane Roar yeah. in Melbourne. Which is just, just finished. Uh, yeah, just before, which is yeah. pretty impressive. And then the doubleheader. Man, it was good to be back at Coopers for a doubleheader. Adelaide United, 4. Perth Glory, 2. In the A-League women, should have been 5-2. <laughs> I mean, But it was 4-2. Eight goals scored by both of the Adelaide mm. United uh, teams yesterday. Yeah. So a, a good start Who's, to the year. Who said there's a... There's a, uh, a lack of a, a, a decent number nine here in Adelaide. Uh, Adelaide fans have been saying that for 15 years. Yeah. Oh, well. Trademark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then the men, of course, a 4-0 win against the Wellington Phoenix. Wellington not looking too good. But do you want to touch on that? Adelaide United, 4-0 win. Finally no, just, able to kickstart their campaign. Yeah, yeah good, good performance. Um, not, not like a not vintage. Not show-stopping. Yeah, not yeah. show-stopping. Um, but you know, a couple of penalties in there, a couple of meh decisions, mm. I guess. Juan Day's new haircut was nice. Juan Day's new haircut and just just vibes from Juan Day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> every time Adelaide scored, I'm really enjoying him in a red shirt. Yeah, he's be, he's becoming like a bit of a hype guy as well, just for Adelaide, which is good. Like him, him, Javi Lopez, <laughs> bit of Spanish hype guys. Yeah. You know, it's good. Yeah, yeah. But uh, one moment for me, I love. Obviously, Javi Lopez scored his first goal for Adelaide. Something volley. Yeah, really good. Just. Met that bang right back. Who? That's yeah, a nice exactly. finish. Um, but when he was doing his post-match interview at Cooper Stadium, looked up and his whole family was dancing up in the box, which was pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought you were about to just uh, bust out the uh, Javi Lopez <laughs> Spanish accent impressions, but oh, that that will that'll come. Yeah, that'll so come. I that'll we come can make later. A Spanish segment. Oh my god, mm. a C Senor Spanish segment. That's what we should call it. Simon Hill, is that you? Simon, Simon Hill, you're in the room. <laughs> <laughs> but no, of course, a 4-0 win for Adelaide United. Finally, they're on the board. And a 4-0 win, pretty decent way to kickstart their campaign and kickstart what will be a pretty intense run of games. Something yes. I want to touch on is the playing load on clubs is about to get pretty interesting because we've got FFA Cup for some of the clubs, Adelaide United, will now play on on Wednesday. That's a really tight turnaround. It is. And Cal, sorry to cut you off, but Calvi already mentioned that he is going to play a rotated younger side yep. in that game. And he just said it's not viable to play, mm. uh, uh, you know, their strongest 11. So, Yes, very interesting. Yeah. And uh, especially for those teams kind of based in New South Wales, like Newcastle Jets, Sydney FC, um, teams like that, they've had a lot of games postponed recently. So... Can you see the back end of this A-League season, I guess, kind of becoming a bit of a, a beacon potentially for younger talent to start shining through? Well, I think the A-League's always a beacon for young talent. Yeah, but even more so now. It, it, because yeah. the turnaround, like some of these teams are going to be playing like, you know, back to back to back to back to back. Well, I'll tell you one thing, it's becoming a beacon for third and fourth choice goalkeepers. Yeah. At the moment, Stephen Congratulations, Hall. Congratulations, Steve Hall, last night. Yeah. 16 years old, 350 days. So I believe... The stats from, if you don't follow Andrew Howe on Twitter, then... Do yourself a favor. Do yourself a favor, because <laughs> just unbelievable statistics, that man there. Eighth youngest in Australian men's National League history, eighth youngest goalkeeper, and the youngest ever A-League goalkeeper, wow. Stephen Hall, from, I believe, a product of the Para Hills system here in mm. SA. Uh, he, yeah, came through that academy there. Uh, not academy, but junior system, yeah. I believe there. And I think he probably would have gone to the state program again 
don't quote me on that i'll have to do further research uh but yeah he um he looked yeah he looked comfortable he looked comfortable he looked good uh for adelaide and like you're saying with the young players and this this idea of being even more so getting those opportunities then yeah for sure i think those opportunities will arise now more often um and you look at i mean i think we are going to touch on the fa cup in a second but melbourne victory during the week against gold coast knights mm. a lot of young players getting a run there i mean even gold coast knights came close as well they Scotty did they McDonald did had to sub, him, <laughs> sub himself on um late in that one it wasn't even late he actually gave himself a decent amount of i saw time. a couple of you know fuck it i'll do it myself yeah memes yeah. <laughs> going around yeah, on yeah, the yeah, socials yeah. yeah and why not he's a decent player scotty but yeah yeah i don't know weird vibes with that one that was a weird yeah, yeah. weird vibes it was weird vibes but <laughs> victory what was interesting just about that game and, and this should transfer over into the a-league was that they were rotating so much that really i think francesco margiotta was the only first team player they actually brought off the really? bench so and i think there was some COVID stuff related to that as well yep. i think um i did hear and i don't know about certain names of players but i did hear that there were two or three victory players who did touch down in gold coast and then maybe tested positive and were told to to go back home right but again don't quote me on that so yeah um, we can have a segment called yeah don't quote me don't on quote that. me on that <laughs> don't quote christian on that new segment but uh yeah so to answer your question yes yes there will be more opportunities hmm. very exciting ffa cup it's kind of, I don't know, the vibe for me is very much it's a nothing competition this year. It's a bit meh. I don't know about you. It doesn't have the Why same... Why is that? don't but, know. It just doesn't have the same buzz about it. Like, clubs are kind of looking at it like, okay. But why is that? There's Asian Champions League qualifying spots here yeah. up for grabs or a know. spot. I don't know. I think COVID has... I don't know. We don't like touching on COVID, <laughs> but it has definitely put a lot of strain on teams. And for this just to be another... It, I think clubs... I think a lot of clubs since the FFA Cup was started, instead of looking at it as, okay, this is a big opportunity, it's just another hurdle for them in a way. I think that's the... A-League clubs, you mean? Yeah, that's the yeah. vibe I get from the A-League clubs approaching but let's, this competition. Just Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to have a couple of other debates in this pod, but just a mini debate, I guess, yeah. here. If the FFA Cup, let's say I'm Newcastle last season, yeah. right? And I'm struggling, we're losing every game. Who cares? It's clear we're not going to make finals. But then the FFA Cup starts, let's say, three quarters away into the A-League season. Now, all of a sudden, I can shift my attention over into a cup competition and reprioritize that mm. and make that a bit more of a, you know, an objective. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, at least... Totally agree. And, and what's interesting, I think, about that is we say a lot when we talk about things like we need to have a second division. Um, and the reason that we need to have it is because we You've need... you the can of worms there. We have, but I'm just, I'm just going to use it just, just for one second here which is this idea of particularly when european players come down here is there's no fear there's no there's no threat of relegation so players don't feel the need to really play out of their skin yeah. true right but maybe if it's now all of a sudden i'm in newcastle jets last season um and i'm not going to make the finals and i might actually get the wooden spoon okay well then scrap the a-league season let's put all our eggs in the fa cup basket and we can kind of re you know, reframe uh, what we're going to be doing this season and what we can achieve. And that might actually, by going on a bit of a cup run, rejuvenate some interest around the club as well. So look, and I think the NPL clubs uh, this season, and particularly um, in some quotes here from the Adelaide City Chairman, Greg Griffin, about their game against Melbourne Victory as well. And he came out and kind of said, well, what's the point of this now when, 
we're playing three weeks after our season has ended mm. and now we're all out of whack and we have to get prepared and get up for it again for this one game so I think for me I've always thought if you get the FA Cup being this pre-season tournament for A-League clubs I, I really hate it uh, yeah. I think that's really stupid I think if you're going to do it do it more like the English FA Cup where it's kind of coming in later in the part A-League of the season, season. Yeah. Huh? What's it that? has to be part of the season yeah yeah and, and maybe yeah, and, and I think another way you could just make that happen a lot easier is to align the NPL leagues, um, the NPL seasons with with the national mm. competition as well. Is but, there any way yeah. we can use the, well, not we, but the APL mm. and Football Australia can work together to use the FFA Cup in a way to make the A-League's off-season shorter, do you think? So as in... Because so, the, yeah. the off-season is way too long oh, at this sure. stage. And the FFA Cup still... But I think the off-season is just way too long because we just don't have enough games. So there's that in, in, in the A-League Man competition. Yeah, I but mean, then it's like, can, yeah. we, can we, you know, bring in the FFA Cup and have, like, split rounds, you know? Like, mm. so have... And that, that will, you know, extend the, the A-League competition in a way? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, because I, I yeah. don't know. For me, for me, it is... The FFA Cup is looked down upon for a lot of teams by the way they approach it of course yeah. like little things like not even wearing their proper match kits mm. like they're wearing like mm. training shirts with random badges stuck yep. on them because their kits for the a-league aren't even here in time for the competition and, and so I don't, they're wearing like yeah. t-shirts with no that's you know, that's true and i don't really get it it's not yeah. good enough it's not good enough and it's the same sort of attitude that a-league clubs in recent years have had towards the asian champions league as well and i just yep. don't get it it's kind of like well Hang on a minute. You could win a trophy here. You could, you know, let's look at uh, Adelaide United winning three FFA Cups, right? Mm. In in their in their history now, the most successful team in the competition. Now, Alessandro Torre, and now okay, his career has stagnated a little bit now, and he's struggling um, to to reestablish himself. Try to go to Macarthur, and we'll see how that goes. We'll give that time. But that 2019 FFA Cup win that Adelaide had, he was the breakout star and the FA Cup allows A-League clubs to get those youngsters out on the map yeah um, but the beauty of that as well is that you know as I was saying if it's more in season is that you can kind of use the younger players a bit more in games that are going to mean a bit more if they are in the latter stages of the season they yeah. are the big games it's a big cup tie kind of mixed in with big games in the league let's say if you're also chasing a final spot as well and i think it just increases the the competitiveness the tension around the game and i yeah. think i think we just need that yeah so because like when, i mean when you look at it when like a league teams play a league teams at suburban grounds oh it's just yeah like who cares like yeah. that's kind of you know the fans don't care either you know no, like they'll, no. they'll rock up to a grand final and they'll well in adelaide they will because mm. it only fits seventeen thousand. Yeah. but I remember, I think it was Sydney FC, Adelaide United, the final in Sydney. It wasn't even full. Yeah, I think even the FA Cup win that uh, Adelaide United had under Marco Kurtz, mm. which was the one where, yeah, they beat Sydney FC in the final 2-1. Yep. That was Craig Goodwin scoring two of the goals. Now, the semi-final, I remember they played against Western Sydney and they played that at Campbelltown Stadium. I think Daniel Adlung. Yes, yep. it was uh, really good. I thought when he was here, what the a freak. Yeah, good player. He was. He's a good player, you know. And I remember there was discussion. <laughs> sorry to go off topic, but there was discussion that he would come back. Was there? Yeah, 
I had no I, idea about I, that. I mean, he never did, but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, he was good, it, but it anyway. It was fun while it lasted, <laughs> Daniel. If you want to come back, hey, look, we've got a visa spot up. Yeah, all right, Daniel, just... Yeah. Don't know, don't know how much we can pay you in wages, but yeah. Yeah, okay. Just Consider hit us it? up and we'll find a way. We'll contact the club on your behalf. But <laughs> the um, he scored a he, yeah he did he scored a banger in that in that semi final against the Warriors. But I remember it was like Campbelltown Stadium. This is meant to be a cup semi final here, Leo. Yeah. And it was just like so dead. With yeah. <laughs> oh my God! You've opened up another thing. <laughs> so with the FFA Cup, there's no a lot of the teams don't use their kits. Mm. Like they're they're actually like ugh, it just looks oh the kids look yeah. disgusting yeah we, that? they're random like training shirts anyway and a lot of the times they'll be playing at venues they Sydney FC played Macarthur at mm. Jubilee a few weeks back mm. little things like they didn't even turn on the the pitch side advertising boards they just put a banner over the top of it why. Just like as a club, do you want to? Is that the standard you're setting as a football club? But this club? is what I mean. Like, what's with all this? Like these little shortcuts I'm always hearing about yeah. with, with A League clubs. It's like, oh, we'll just do that because it's just easier. It's yeah. like, what? I'm sorry, are you guys not employed full like, time? Are it, you not? It begs. Do the your job properly. This is it, what I'm saying. Anyway, it begs the question: Is like how many football people and how many like football obsessed people are in mm. our game? Yeah, you know, like because if that was me. I would have vomited if I was at a Sydney FC board meeting table being like, okay. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. It's, just, it's like... It looks cheap, man. Like, yeah. And like, it's like some teams use their kits from last season for the FFA Cup. Mm. Mm. Like, really? Like, Come yeah. On. Treat treat this competition with a bit of respect and it will actually grow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, like, if you look at Adelaide United... No. Now, to be fair, Adelaide United do a great job. They no, true. have FFA Cup kits this season. But what about those... I still haven't seen those... Maybe I'm wrong. The Barossa Valley kits that they did? Yeah, the away the away shirt. Yeah, were they featured in the FFA Cup? They haven't Cup? had to wear them yet. But that's what I mean. Maybe they, they would they have FFA Cup versions of them. Yeah, yeah, but maybe that's kind of where you could use those types of third alternate kits in those in yeah. those games. That's what I'm just thinking off the top of my head. But well, I'm just like, don't release... To the clubs who aren't doing it, mm. don't release a kit and then use a training kit that you spent 10 bucks on from your kit no. supplier. Well, it's just nonsensical. Yeah. I don't get it. But Well, I think it's just poor. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Like, you've got to think about your brand. Yeah. You know, that's... I mean, that's what we do. That's what we do here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, from Edge Football. We, how, we think about it all it, the time. How good is our, um, our hot pink <laughs> new colorway? Watch, watch this space because I reckon that hot pink... That hot pink could uh, take over the... Mm. The hot website. Oh, not your best. Ring, ring that sound. Actually, no, no sound effect on that one. Okay. It's not that bad. Let's get into the spicy section of this one, um, the Socceroos. And uh, <laughs> we we had a bit of a brief discussion about, we've, we've been talking about this for a long, long time. And to be fair, I don't like your negative attitude. You don't like my negative I attitude? To the towards the Socceroos because I think it's that... Okay, this... You sounded well, like my dad or something just then yeah, the way this, you this is about to get very very i don't like your negative attitude that's i don't <laughs> and i don't think that negative attitude i think it's a negative attitude too many people in australian football hold and that's why the game is where it is okay to be perfect whoa hang blunt. on hang on a minute hang on a minute what do you mean by negative attitude well you don't saying? think that we're going to qualify for the world cup hang on i don't think we're going to qualify for the world cup because i don't think the team is good enough it's not because i have this preconceived idea that australian football sucks are you not hinting at that though no but when when okay, okay and in other conversations we've had true but what i'm saying is 
I always, so, I mean, if anyone ever gets to speak to me and stuff about Socceroos and stuff, I always mention Ange Postecoglou in the conversation because he just, basically, he's, you know, he's just an absolute legend in, mm. in my yeah, book. We, we, we can't get caught up in the fact that it's like, no, but oh, what I'm saying five is, years ago, should have never, never let him go. Like, people no, 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 I'm not trying, no, no, I'm not, that's people, not what I was getting into. That's not yeah, what I was people getting People shit all over Graham Arnold and his Hang on, hang on, hang on. Whoa, that's not what I was getting into. I was just talking about Ange Postecoglou, he wrote in his book, um, Changing the Game which came out, I believe, mm. after the Asian Cup win around 2015. Anyway, I read it a little bit and stuff. And he speaks about football cringe in Australia. And he talks about how everyone... Football cringe? Football cringe right? in Australia. And just the negative aspects of football, the negative opinions towards football and things like that. And when we talk about someone like when Massimo Luongo was nominated for the men's Ballon d'Or and how everyone kind of viewed that from a perception of, oh my God, like, no, he's not the best. How's, how's a socceroo getting that yeah. sort of thing? I would never do that. Yeah. So what I'm saying to you is when you come at me and you say, oh, you're being negative. So, no, I'm not being negative. I'm not being negative. I'm just being realistic. I'm being realistic. So th- there's a difference there. Yeah, but and I'm you're not-, not even looking at it from like, okay, so long story short, you don't think we're going to qualify for the FIFA World Cup in 2022 in Qatar? No, I don't think we're no. going to qualify because I think... Look well, at the table, though. I mean, we're one point behind Japan. We've got a home game in Melbourne against Vietnam. That will take us to 14 points. Leah, I've seen nothing from this team in the home draw against Saudi Arabia. Okay. Saudi Arabia are a good team, though. Of course Saudi Arabia are a good team. This is what I'm saying. I think Saudi Arabia and Japan are better sides than us. And it doesn't mean that we finish... can't qualify. No, of course it doesn't mean we can't qualify. But I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, no, I think, I think that was confirmed a few weeks ago that we will be playing the team in South America. That's their qualifying route. Not like before with the Central America with, with Honduras in 2018. So we could come up against a Uruguay or something like that to make the World Cup. Ah. Yeah, but it's still mathematically possible for us to... Of course it's mathematically possible, but I'm I'm not... Hang on. Because I think you're coming maybe at it from a point of view of, well, hang on, it's still possible. Of course it's still possible. I'm not saying, mm. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I'm looking at how this team is playing right now. I'm looking at the lack of quality that we have just in general, particularly in comparison to Japan and Saudi Arabia, more Japan as well. Right, and I just don't think that they're going to turn around and particularly go to a place like Saudi Arabia, which is extremely hostile, go there and win. I cannot see that at all. And again, you can now this you can quote me on for sure. Go ahead, and I'll get a bunch of tweets online and a bunch of people making a meme out of me and this audio clip Please. when Australia do make the World Cup. And of course, I want Australia to make the World Cup. That's not what I'm saying. It's not like this. You know, I've got this hope that it's like I hope it just all goes to shit and Australia don't win so then you know everyone can kind of have a look at the game we should be having a look at the game and development in this country anyway mm. also another topic for another day but I, I just I just can't see it just based on some of the performance I've been seeing recently yeah but looking them. ahead to our fixtures we've got Vietnam which I think should be a comfortable win Vietnam should be a win yeah yeah you know it should be a win they've lost all six games yep I mean, it was to be fair. Conceded twelve goals in six games. We've conceded four, which is one one more than the two, arguably two best teams in our group. Like, you know, we've scored, we've scored as we've scored equal goals with Saudi Arabia, who topped the group with sixteen points. I just feel like, in general, not just talking about yourself, but across Australia, every game, there's just like this relentless. Graham Arnold is shit. This team sucks. You know, like no, no, X, that's Y, and Z of negative points. And yeah, yeah. You got to look at the stats. It's not that bad. And when you look at the fixtures coming up, we've got 
Vietnam in Melbourne. We're finally back in Melbourne. And then we play Amman away. And of course, Amman have lost uh, three of their six games. And they've, you know, <laughs> they're not the best footballing team either. So that's two very winnable games. That's six points. It takes us yeah, but China was a winnable 17 game. 17 points. China away was a winnable game. And look what happened there. Yeah, but they're unpredictable. More, more Amman so are unpredictable. Un- more so unpredictable than Amman in Vietnam. We've played Amman that many times over the past however many years. We should know them inside out. Not saying that we will. But, I mean, then you look at Japan. They've got to play China as well. That's a very losable game for Japan. And then they've got to play Saudi Arabia. But Japan have know-how. This is, one of, this is the other thing I'm talking about. Like I, maybe not so much Saudi Arabia, even though they are, like, four points clear right now. But Japan, you know, are just going to make the World Cup. Japan are like, yeah, they're fine. They'll be yeah, fine. Like, they've got experience. That's the mentality around Japan. That's, po- that's positive mentality. Where for us, I'm talking about in general in Australia, it's always, oh, we go, we go into games as Australian fans expecting to lose. I never, never do that. That's the vibe I get. It's all, it's all you ever see across social really? media. 100%. Really? Expecting 100%. to lose. 100%. Well, that's the... Uh, well, okay. you, don't, you don't expect to win, you know, the majority of the time, do you? Oh, no. Hang on. I think with more, more with Australia, it's I expect... Against certain teams, I expect good performances. That's actually not necessarily results. So what I mean is, I remember Ange Postacoglu, towards the end of like his reign, some of the performances were a little scrappy. They weren't the best performances, right? And you could kind of see, even though we did end up making the World Cup, it was kind of like, yeah, something's not right here. And then eventually he obviously left, right? I think Australia coming out of a lot of criticism because not only... It's not just about you drew against China, but it's like you didn't even deserve to win against China. That was a really average performance. Mm. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the frustrating thing, the really the game which was really pissed me off in this World Cup qualifying campaign is the Japan game away. And the reason being is, and I will bring up Graham Arnold now, and I will, right? Because look, and many people might be on my side here, whatever, and this isn't going to turn into a podcast where I'm just going to shit on Graham Arnold, No. But he isn't, my, he isn't my cup of tea. And the reason he's not is because, and he did this with the Oli Roos a little bit at the Olympics as well. You go into Japan. You made a strong start to the group stage. Japan are one loss away from losing their manager. They're low on confidence. And we go there and we park the bus and we defend. And it infuriated the hell out of me, right? Don't talk a big game about, we want to, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to win. And he said that multiple times in press conferences where he's gone, we will qualify or we will win and this sort of thing. And we don't back it up, right? So... If you're going to go to Japan and you're going to make those comments, then I expect a team that's going to come out and play on the front foot. Now, against Saudi Arabia, they did that. Now, Saudi Arabia, they drew nil all, but I was actually a bit more happy with the performance, right? But when I look at Japan away, when I look at China away, those two performances in particular, it's kind of like, okay, who's going to score goals in this team? Mm. Who? Who's going to score goals in this team? Tell me. There's See? plenty. There's plenty of talent there. It's just something. something Who? Give me names. Give me Aiden names. Trustich, I don't know. Jamie McLaren. There's plenty of names that come in and out of that team. And I guess one thing you could that we might be able to agree on here before we throw chairs at each <laughs> at each other is that there are probably a few names circling around Australian football who should be given more of a chance in that team. Well, look, th- but then yeah. when they are given that chance, they don't perform. No, and I think I'm looking at someone like Tom Rogic now, and Tom Rogic having an absolutely exceptional season that. Celtic, but he is getting me. He is giving me some Mark Viduka vibes, where it's kind of like this guy seems like he's only going to be really good at club level, and he's mm. actually not going to be able to ever translate. That, that it. happens a lot, though. That does happen a lot, but it, particularly with him, what I'm saying is Aaron Moy. Let's see someone like Aaron Moy. 
isn't always unbelievable with Socceroos. That's true. But he has had performances where it's like he actually has taken control of games for Socceroos. Yeah. Tom Rogic, I've never felt... I think there might have been one game at the Asian Cup in 2019. I think it was Syria. When we played Syria, I think we beat him 3-2 um, in, in the 2019 Asian Cup where Tom Rogic had a really good game. But other than that, I've never felt Tom Rogic has taken a game for the Socceroos by the scruff of the neck like he had for Celtic mm-hmm. in the past. You know, where he's had some unbelievable moments in a Celtic shirt and that sort of thing. Now... On to the point about these guys like Adrian Hrustic, Amor Mobile, things like that. Amor Mobile has played barely any football in the last two months, and I think people are forgetting that. You know, Jane McLaren, Ryan Grant, these guys were selective soccer as duty when the A-League men's season hadn't even started yet. Now, you could make a good point, and that's true, other than Ryan Grant, what's the alternative? Okay, fair enough. What's the alternative at right back? Okay, maybe Ryan Strain, but he wasn't fit. He was injured at the time uh, in Israel. Okay, fair enough. I'll agree with you on that. But... We need to be looking at guys who are playing week in, week out. Adrian Hrustich started the, started the season well, and he was playing a lot for Frankfurt. But in the last two months, he's played barely any football. And actually, I've seen reports that he might be loaned out in January. Yeah. So, again, it brings me back to my point. What are we looking at? Again, what is Graham Arnold looking at? But it's not just Graham Arnold. What are the people around him as well? What are they looking at when they're making these decisions around... I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you there because yeah. there are there have been way too many times when the squad comes out that players are picked based on their experience within. That's the what camp. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you can't tell me that Matt Lecky, based on his performance in the A League, mm. deserves to be there. No, you no. can't tell me that players like uh, like uh, Mitch to- Duke. Why is he in the Socceroos squad, man? Mitch Duke, you really that? Yes. Yeah. Like there, there has to be better number nines. I don't think there is though. For Australia than that, is there? I mean, yes, he runs a lot. But what does he do? He runs and he. He's runs. better than Adam Taggart, in my opinion. No, you don't think. See, I think Adam Taggart's a better finisher. But if he had the motor like Mitch Duke, then yes. Adam Taggart has offered nothing to the Socceroos in any of these qualifiers. I'm sorry, he's been awful. I'm not saying... I, I think Mitch Duke is a really good option off the bench. I'm not saying he should be a starter. I agree with you. I don't think he should be like the guy that you're pinning your hopes and dreams on. No. Mm. But I do think he gives you something different off the bench. You know, he can I know. harass... I, the... I just want to see guys like Riley McGree step up. Well, that, actually... Know? Because he has the quality. Exactly. And this is what I'm saying to you, Leo, is, is something like this. And I think it's what you're touching on with the, um, with the experience factor. But it's also this pedigree thing as well. So, Adrian Hrustic... Now, he had a, I thought he had, in the first half against Saudi Arabia in the nil-all uh, game uh, in in Sydney, I thought the first half he was really good, but then he kind of faded in the game. Yet, people look at one pass that he sprayed, this 30-yard pass that he sprayed in the first half against Saudi Arabia, and they go, oh my God, Adrian Hrustic. And then they're going to use that for the next four or five games and keep justifying that as to why Adrian Hrustic should be in the Socceroos squad. And that's what really annoys me um, about it. Whereas, Riley McGree who has just gone back to, has just left Birmingham and gone back to Charlotte and the MLS, the new um, the new team there. So good luck to him with that. But Riley McGree is score, was scoring for Birmingham starting week in, week out. He finally worked his way into the squad and yet we're going away against China after failing to find the net against Saudi Arabia. We need goals and he's still on the bench. Mm. And that selection also really annoyed me. So, you know, there needs to be more we need to really think about are we picking a team because these are guys that have helped us in the past or are we picking a team based on these guys are ready they're going to fire straight away for us now yep. that's my pickle let, with the soccer is let, let me find the squad 
that started against um, Saudi Arabia. Let me find... Like, I, I'll tell you, like, Martin Boyle... Now, Martin Boyle, at times, can be a bit of a one-trick pony. He is very much, sometimes, a bit of huff and puff. Give me the ball in 1v1s. I'll take the ball down the byline. I'll try and get a cross in. Right? And that can be frustrating to watch. But at least Martin Boyle has been scoring goals regularly in Scotland. Mm. So when it comes down to it, when it comes down to being incisive, decisive in the box, right, which is the main thing which is hurting Australia at the moment, I'm going to trust Martin Boyle a lot more than I'm going to trust Awan Mabil. Mm. It's as simple as that. So there's that as well. I mean, that Saudi Arabia game. I remember Jimmy Jago got caught, caught into the squad to start and he'd been playing really well in Greece and I thought, yeah, Jimmy Jago will probably have a good game today. And what do you know? He was fantastic. Yeah. I thought he was really good in that game. 100%. I was just so, about to mention Jimmy Jago. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's... I agree with you. I think I think that was a really good point that you made that a lot of players are just kind of hanging around in this squad in the Socceroos because they've done things in the past or because they've got some kind of experience... And for me, it's, yeah, it's not the answer. It's not the answer. All right. So when you, when you look at that squad, who can you comfortably say X, Y, and Z have to go? I, I, it's not more the squad. I'm talking more of the starting 11. So what, what I mean more is... I don't and, think, and is there anyone in the A-League or someone that you're watching from like yeah. somewhere else that you can say, you can definitely say they should be in the Socceroos? Because I, f- I feel like Dark Horse calls, call-ups like Johnny Stensness don't happen enough. Yeah, yeah, that's that's actually a good guy that you, that you touch on because, and and this is what I'm saying as well. There's this perception around, well, oh, but Johnny Stensness is playing in Norway. I was like, yeah, okay, Norway, fair enough. Norway's not the most prestigious league in the world, but it's not like it's that far off like the A League level. All right, hmm. some might even argue that it's on par. I don't know. I haven't really watched much of Norwegian football, so I'm not too sure. <laughs> okay, honestly, I'm fair not too enough. sure. So there's that, but he's playing week in week out. He's clearly, you know, the manager there loves him because he's he starts every single minute of every game. Uh, I think he scored his first goal recently as well. The team was doing really well. Uh, Viking FK is the team he plays for. I, th- I believe they finished third in the league because their season has finished now because uh, they do it calendar year, of course, in, mm. in the Scandinavian country. So that made sense to call him in. Um, and you could even make an argument like Milos Dejanek is another one. He's falling out of favor at Red Star Belgrade. He's not playing as many minutes. Mm. Yeah, again, like you're saying, he's kind of still... But then it's like, yeah. what centre-back do you bring in? True. Okay, well, who do you bring in? Well, Alex Wilkinson, of, Curtis Good. Curtis Good? Yeah. Why not? I mean, playing week in, week out, doing well. There's an option there. But yeah, okay. Of course, you have to think about, well, who else is out there? And there isn't that many options. So mm. it is a balancing act. It is a balancing yeah. act. Yeah. And breathe. Um, okay. Before we jump into the next uh, the next heated debate, which we probably... I'm not found it in me. Oh, <laughs> grab another cold can of Red Bull. Um, frontpagefootball.net is the place to go if you're looking for any of this kind of debate content that is put up online. It's a great place for it. You can also check out our social media. And something we, um, new we wanted to plug this week is that we want, we really do want your input. So if you're listening and if you just got fired up as myself, I don't know if you're on Team Leo or Team Christian as you listen to this, but if you want to get in touch with us. We agreed on some points. It wasn't a total. See, I, I would have liked to get even more heated. And I reckon this next play, this, this, this next debate will. Last point though, get in touch with us. Um, there's plenty of ways you can do it. You can DM us, you can tweet at us, you can add us on social media, whatever way you see fit. 
The best way though is probably to go to frontpagetriple.net, which is of course the official website, um, and and send through anything you'd like. <laughs> Abuse us. Whatever it is, send us tips, send us something to get featured on this podcast. Um, there's a really handy contact page on there. But um, yeah, frontpagetriple.net, a great place to get some more content. And it's been another big week for content as well. Yeah, yeah, it has. Uh, quite a few articles going up this week. Again, shout out to all the writers, of course, for frontpagefootball.net. Um, and well, I think, as you asked me just then... I think I can just lead us in maybe to our next debate. Mm. And that was, there was an article uh, published to start 2022 uh, from one of our writers, Matt Olson, just on the Southeast Asian game at the moment and the Suzuki Cup, the AFF Suzuki Cup, which just concluded yesterday. Thailand won the Suzuki Cup. It's basically Southeast Asia's premier football competition uh, where all the nations from Southeast Asia um, vie for... for basically the the crown of the best team Southeast in Southeast Asian Asia. Southeast Asian glory. Southeast Asian glory. So like a Asian cup, but for one region of Asia sort of thing. So, um, and Matt basically wrote an article where he kind of said that as Australia, we should get ourselves back involved with these Southeast Asian tournaments um, because we do have full member status and that it is essentially a really good competition when it comes to giving and we we're just talking about this i guess giving a-league players an opportunity to maybe step up to the international stage and see if they can then kind of play in those big qualifying games like we've been touching on okay so and leo is about to just go all in and say no so i'm not saying sorry no, i'm just i'm going to justify <laughs> why i'm saying no so maybe before you do that do you want to outline all the reasons yeah, that, yeah. Well, that I there, guess that there are yes, we should be involved, and then I'll probably come back with a bit of rebuttal, being like, "This is why we shouldn't get involved." Yeah, well, I think Matt made a few good points here. Just about, I think he is right in saying two. There's two nations for me which do stand out: Vietnam and Thailand. Look, they're still. I think we have to put this in perspective. They actually are growing as football nations, and people will say, "Well, hang on a minute," and you said this to me as well. Well, they're not in any qualifying, you know, they're not, it's not like they're getting close to World Cups. Well, yeah, okay, fair enough. But these guys have come from so far back though. So we have to think about Thailand. In 2018, they were giving Australia a right go for their money, right? In two games, in the 2018 World Cup qualifying stage in the, in the final stages. I remember those two games and Australia were lucky, particularly when they played Thailand away and they drew two all. They were lucky to get a result out of that game. So they are growing as football nations, Right. Of course, they're still, you know, they're still a bit behind and they've still got work to do for sure. But Matt, I thought, also made a really good point in the article where he talked about just the cultural influence of these sorts of nations, right? And seeing what they have to offer in terms of the, the sheer fandom behind them, right? This Suzuki Cup thing is just huge. <laughs> like, it is quite a big tournament in that sort of region of the world. Now, you know, you might say, well... Okay, whatever. And fair enough. And Matt even says, look, if you've got, you know, if you're not really up for it, if you don't really care, then that's fair enough. And, you know, the average Australian football fan might still look at it and think, you know, whatever, it's just it's just some tournament, which is true. But I think it's just more about what he was trying to say. And this is how I interpret it was more, let's just kind of experiment with a different pathway, a pathway that in the past brought out some soccerers like Aaron Moy, like Adam Taggart at the 2013 East Asian um, Cup as well. And you are not giving me a lot of uh, approval with your face at the no, moment. It's a bit of a death stare. Okay. It is really 
There's the valid points. Very valid points. There was also can sorry. <laughs> I'm just like looking at some of these results. I mean, Thailand won the but final can I just six two on aggregate. All right, all right, all right, all right. What kind of quality is that? And and I know to your point before of saying giving A League players opportunities, playing in something like the Suzuki Cup or the AFF Championship is not. That is not an indication of how they will perform against proper teams. Then what is? You you got to take that risk. With, you can't play against Myanmar and Timor Leste, an A League team, and say, okay, now we're ready to play Saudi Arabia. But what what, what I'm saying here, Leo, is let's look at UEFA, right? UEFA now they've created the UEFA Nations League a few years ago, and the Nations League I think has actually been a really good success. Now, as much as it's congested the football fixture in Europe in during the pandemic, which I think a lot of clubs haven't been happy with, at least it's given national teams an opportunity to actually go well we're not going to actually play our best national team for these games let's give in some guys let's give some guys who are not you know or who we've thought about maybe calling up but we haven't yet because it wasn't the right time and actually use this as a platform to give these guys a go and then see how they go from there right and a lot of uh, nations in Europe have ended up actually saying well this is also a chance to win a trophy the Nations League and taking it seriously in the end so I'm not it's more to be honest, and I'm not sure you would have to ask Matt to get maybe his, his opinion further, but maybe it's not so much that it has to be this tournament, but do we need to look at but something else? What other else? tournaments are there? Well, that's that's a good question. I mean, and what I, is... I, I don't, and I personally yeah. don't think risking the... risking damaging the quality of our local domestic competitions by having our best players from each A-League club go to play in what, in my eyes, is a BS tournament. Because I think if you play some of these teams, they're playing Myanmar, Singapore, you know, like Cambodia, like, what's the point? What's the return of going to play on cow paddock pitches against Z-rated teams? But, but you know, you wouldn't... And well, so that, we can put these guys in soccer... But you're not going to play a full-strength squad anyway because they don't stop for the um the FIFA international windows as well. So that means all the guys in Europe wouldn't be available. So Exactly. Actually... So then we're just damaging our local competition. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. We're we're damaging our local competition by taking out our best players only for them to come back and not get a proper look in with the Socceroos team. But how do you know that for sure? <laughs> because what kind of look in is a game against Malaysia, is a game against Myanmar, is a game against Timor Leste to say, okay, now these guys are ready to take on Japan. No, but it's not... Hang on, hang on. It's not saying that if I call up... I don't know, who's a player in the A-League who might be kind of almost there. Stop Curtis here. Good. Curtis you, Good. You take him from Melbourne City. Okay, let's say let's say we go to the, to the Suzuki Cup and Curtis Good partners my defence with... Mm, top of my head, top of my head. Uh, Jordan Elsie. I don't know, whatever, right? Let's just say. Jordan Elsie has a good season for Newcastle. And we take those two as my pairing, right? I'm not going there thinking... Now, I wouldn't be going there if I'm Graham Arnold thinking, if these two play really well in this tournament, then they're going to start when we go and play Japan. No, that's not my thinking. So maybe you misunderstood me. What I'm saying then is... What's the, po- what's the point in going to play for these? It's a, it's a... The point is, so then when Harry Suda goes down with an ACL injury, then at least I have someone who has played in the international setup and can step in. Yeah, but you're, you're better off playing letting our best players play against premier opposition 
rather than second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, but I think seventh, we have a huge problem. opposition. But I think we also have a huge problem with depth. And how are you going to give depth an opportunity on the national stage? Because you can, if, they can, if they're playing proven international strikers in the A-League, that's better than Cambodia's number nine. Which proven more, international strikers? There's plenty. There's plenty of attacking threat in the A-League that they're coming up against, which would be you know, better than nine times out of ten these teams. Yeah, but international football is different to league football. The, op- the, 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 the pressure of, of one-off games is different, though. I think there's that as well. It's not just about maybe quality all the time. I think it's also there's the different factors of if you're playing in a... You know, even if you think maybe quality-wise it isn't the top, top tournament, which I agree with you on that, right? It probably isn't. It's not as good as the Asian Cup, and it's certainly not as good as uh, the World Cup qualifiers, but at least it gives them some exposure to knockout yeah, competition. But how, many, how many... How realistically... How many top nations are doing that with their players? How, how many top nations around the world are presenting opportunities other than World Cup qualifiers and the UEFA Nations League to play for their national team? In, a, in, a, in, in respect to that, how many, how many nations across the world are giving opportunities to their second, third, fourth, 11? Well, I no think it's... one. Well, hang on, hang on. I think it's also different because if you look at a, uh, a nation like England... They've also got, and sorry, just in Europe in general, but you also have under-21 tournaments that are really highly competitive as well. So at least someone like, if I think off the top of my head, Callum Hudson-Odoi at Chelsea. Now, he's someone who wasn't, who's kind of not really there for the senior team and he's still 20 years old. So they put him into the under-21 setup instead. Right now, I think the last time he rejected going there. But what I'm saying is, at least that still gives him competitive football and an international setting at a younger level. Now, what tournaments are Oli Roos involved in? Maybe that's another no, question. I don't, I don't know if there are any in Asian football. Are there not some kind of under-23, under-21 tournaments like this? Besides the AFC under-23 championship, I can't really see. Well, yeah, I don't know. So, Which, which is a confederation issue. It's not a... It's, no, it's yeah, not no, a exactly. No, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's our fault. I'm not saying it's our fault. But I'm just... I'm trying to understand how... You know, because you need to try and make, in my opinion, you need to try and make a national team setup to be very much similar to a club setup where you can get guys coming in from the 17s, 19s, 21s, all the way through up to the senior team. Oh, I agree. The, the, yeah, yeah. The, the, the pathway isn't there at the moment in Australian no. football, but I don't think it is there for a lot of Asian nations. But it, then how it, come Japan are able to really produce so many good young because players? Because so many of their young players are playing domestically and, and half the squad plays domestically. Yeah. You know? Yep. So they're so, getting proven opportunities in a proper, you know, top-ranking league, which is the J League. Yep. To to prove themselves. Yeah. True. I, I to to me, I just don't see from a Football Australia perspective, and I'm not involved with Football Australia, so it's not really a perspective. But I don't <laughs> I don't think there's much return in it. You know, like besides okay, well, here's here's one. Okay, I'm gonna go spend so much money on sending a team to this this tournament where the winner won 6-2 on aggregate in a final, which mm-hmm. is supposed to be the best two teams, but 6-2 doesn't really point that way. Anyway, I don't see what return is in it for us rather than, okay, you can play. Harry Sutar just did his, you know, his ACL. Come join us. You have a three-week, like a three-week camp, for example, leading into every qualifying window. That is plenty of time to get some teams in training, you know, some, you know, train on players into training proven from watching the a-league i just don't see the return in going to playing 
in these kind of tournaments, to be honest. Okay, suppose you're right. But my question, and it's still one I don't think you can answer, I don't think I can answer either, is what is an alternative that we can come up with? What's something that we can do? Well, I mean, what are the alternatives for other world, you know, top-ranking teams in the world? There's not much. It's just international football, unfortunately. I guess, but there's another point which Matt made in here, which I fully agree with. And it's about more club point of view, an Australian club point of view. So let's put the international stuff to the side for a second. And it's about the AFC Cup, which is essentially Asia's secondary club competition. Yeah, which you see teams like Palestine and, and those guys going to. Are we talking about the same no, thing? No, it's a club, club competition. Oh, so, so this one's a club competition? Yeah, it's a club, yes. club, club. So, so I'm just talking about clubs now, the clubs now, yeah. right? So that's happening, I believe, in 2023. Now, um, from again, from what I understand, because Australia has full member status in the uh in the um in the asian uh which is a s e a n um right. uh section and in the southeast asian um what's the word i'm looking for confederation confederation no, no. confederation that's it sorry it was escaping me for about a good 10 seconds there but the the southeast asian confederation then they can actually send clubs into this afc cup which is like a secondary club competition mm. right to the afc champions league right but you often see a lot of those teams, like, because the best teams in, like, the Philippines, maybe they lose in playoff games and they can't get into the Asian Champions League group stage and they probably go into this competition instead. Yeah. Now, this is interesting because we just mentioned before when we were talking about the FA Cup, how, and we mentioned the Asian Champions League, how I don't think Australian clubs have any sort of respect and they're not really taking Asian Champions League tournaments seriously on campaigns seriously enough. So, if that's the case, then... Is this something else you can look at, like an AFC Cup? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. It so, I think I think that's fair enough. I think that's fair enough, and I think at least, you know, that's going to give. Yeah. But again. then again, an A League club's going to look at it like as another FFA Cup, and a, and a project. But why? Like, way. why is this? So, is it? Is I don't it, know. Is it that A League clubs are just going to? It's it's either the A League or it's nothing. Like that's kind of the thing that I'm getting now from these yeah. clubs. Which I just don't understand. It's a, it's a yeah. big, it's a, I think a lot of it revolves around money, and money is of course. a, is a yep. big issue. Of course. Which, as much as it sucks, it's, I mean, it's the truth. Of course. But what I'm saying is if, you know, for Melbourne City, as an example, now they are playing in the Asian Champions League, but let's just say for one reason or another they're not, mm. right? And they finish fourth in the A League or something like that, and that can still qualify them to get into something like the AFC Cup. You know, Melbourne City. They definitely would have the financial... Again, I'm not too sure. Don't quote me on it. Another one for the segment. But I'd imagine because of the City Football Group backing that they can pay for the flights and they can m- make some sort of arrangements for a tournament like that. Why, why would you be so opposed to it? Our biggest problem here, one of our biggest problems here is that we are not playing enough games. You want to mention the J-League before about the, the Japanese national team and all of them are playing regularly domestically. True. But they're also playing over 40 games domestically. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's an extra, what's that, 16 games on top of what we've got here. I mean, we've got 26 games, Leah. Mm. That's nothing. Mm. Like that is actually nothing. That's two thirds of a Premier League season. Yep. If you want to look at it like that. So look, maybe it's maybe it's something to do in that area, which is the issue. Uh, yeah, look, I think this would have to be broken down a little bit more, something like this. Um, but yeah, I don't think... Maybe from a national team point of view, it's not something to explore. But definitely, if you're a club, from a club point of view, 
you know, if you can enter into a tournament like that and you, it's financially viable, then why would you be opposed to it? Is my opinion. Oh, I'm I'm all for it. I yeah, mean, didn't particularly know the AFC Cup. <laughs> yeah, a thing. I don't know if many. I mean, of course, the Australian clubs would know it's a thing, but yeah. But I guess I guess this was also the point of the article was just to raise some awareness about these yeah, types of nations. Yeah, hundred percent. Let's let's be honest. Let's be honest. But, uh, but I wonder if, especially yeah. during the pandemic, a lot of these kind of ideas have been parked. Maybe, parked maybe to the back of the yeah, yeah, back yeah, of the for boardroom sure. office for sure. But I think, as you kind of did there as well when we started discussing this, I think a lot of people just think of oh Thailand, Vietnam, whatever, and it's kind of like we don't, you know, they have improved. They actually have improved a little bit. Now it's not. Like I said at the start, it's not like they're going to compete with Australia week in, week out now. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I think it's more, let's just take note of what these nations are doing and not always just treat them as if they're kind of, they're minnows and we're going to beat them all the time. Because let's face it, we just touched on it with oh, soccer. I, I know playing. the quality Thailand have, but yeah. that's one team out of like a 30-team a competition. No, 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 for sure, for sure. <laughs> but I guess what I'm saying is if we look at, you know, Australia played Vietnam in the qualifying and they won 1-0 now it was tough conditions that's true but to your point you might say oh well why would you go and play Vietnam in a tournament like that and play on a terrible pitch and things like that well maybe because then when you go and face that in World Cup qualifying conditions you're a bit more prepared for it or you can just go play at Campbelltown Stadium (laughs) (laughs) that cow paddock that is uh, I mean it's the home of the Bulls it kind of makes sense yeah true true all right, Christian Marchetti uh, here on the Front Page Football Podcast. Of course, we've got some awards to go through. And as we mentioned, I think at the top of the podcast, if not, um, someone is about to win their own award. Yes. Please. Someone explain. is going to win their own award for his <laughs> performance yesterday against Adelaide United. And that's Josh Shatiro. He's going to win his self proclaimed Josh Shatiro, most frustrating player of the week award. See, I don't even know if I can add in a clap sound effect in post production. Like one of the slow... Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Anyway, why did he win it? He won it because he was Josh Shatiria yesterday. That's kind of how... That's that's it. That's it, really. I mean, just in the final third, awful decision-making, frustrating the hell out of any Wellington fans watching, I would imagine. And uh, yeah, just doing Josh Shatiria stuff. Tripping over the ball. Mm-hmm. Wasn't, you know, wasn't wasn't his um wasn't, wasn't his finest moment wasn't was his it? finest performance no so he wins that one for frustrating the hell and out his of the manager way. might be in another award I believe who his manager his manager yeah his manager might win the Aurelio Vidmar award for coaching rant of the week although it's not for a rant it's just more for just general anger during the game I like that it was understandable mm. yeah it was understandable yeah but I don't like it from the fact that it's understandable I like it because it shows. That he actually gives a shit oh, no, about, no, I didn't, about I didn't. his team. <laughs> no, I didn't mean it was... I just meant, of course, he's going to get angry, yeah. Um, because 4-0, and it was just an awful performance yeah. from Wellington. And to finish it off, I've got one for... Can I just a, say something, though? Yeah. And this is no excuse, but Wellington and their players have now spent two Christmases in a row separated from their families. Yeah, for sure. Which... And two New Year's Eve, like two massive celebrations and everything that falls in between have now been spent. And yes, obviously, when you grow up as as an aspiring professional footballer, this is probably everyone's dream to be, you know, situated with your team. But like, I think we can't underestimate the impact that this current situation would be having. But let's think about it. The 3-1 against Sydney, awful. 4-0 against the Jets, awful. 4-0, like that's another 4-0 now today. 
you know, it's, it is getting, you know, it is piling up quite a bit and it's not, they're fundamental basics yesterday that I weren't doing. So I can excuse a 4-0, like that actually, the game against Newcastle where they lost 4-0, they were actually just outplayed. I thought Newcastle were just fantastic in that game. Yeah. But Adelaide have been average this season and for me, they weren't, we said it before, it wasn't a vintage 4-0. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why I'm a bit, maybe a bit more harsher than, than I would be under yeah. normal circumstances. So yeah, but understandable though is the anger from from Ufitala yesterday and he mentioned as I said the energy just wasn't there and that's I think why maybe he was just trying to get that energy mm. through his own anger so there was that but I want to give Emily Condon yes. an award um, a goal for what, her, what is the award what is the, the award name? is the Carlos Hernandez Thunderbastard of the week Thunderbastard of the day really I think yeah. it's uh, in the two podcasts we've done now last week we did one and we had only two games to cover, really. I think that would have won it still, though. Like, it was an yeah, impressive Yeah, but uh, I'm just mean, we're, we're not having enough sample space to really look at these awards at the moment. But hopefully when the when the games come back, we will. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, congratulations to Emily Condon. Yeah. Pretty successful couple of days for single day. A good weekend in general for Adelaide. Mm. Happy New Year to Reds fans. I mean, eight goals over, Absolutely. over two games is... Yeah. Uh, what. Again, it should have been nine goals. but <laughs> So salty about that fifth goal. But it was eight. Um, anyway, Christian Marchetti, thank mm. you so much for your company and to those listening at home. Thank you also for listening on for another edition of the Front Page Football Podcast. Um, quick plug at the socials, which you can find at frontpagefootball.net. And of course, if you want to get involved, if you, if you want anything featured, if you want to join us on the podcast even, hmm. I'm sure there's when there's when where there's a will, no, we don't there is bite. a way. We don't bite. No. No. Well, we might bite each other because of the intense arguments we get. Well, not <laughs> arguments, debates. Debates. Keyword. Yeah. Um, we get into this show. But of course, if you want to get anything on the podcast or simply you want to share a piece of your mind, get in touch with us by sending us a DM or however else you see fit across social media. Uh, but of course, you can also use the contact page on our website, frontpagefootball.net. Um, as is tradition on this relatively short life of the Front Page Football podcast, before we sign off, I have a random current A-League player for you. Yeah. Don't really know what our rules are, but, you know, well, my rule is doing to current and not current. Get it within A-League three players. seconds. That's my rule. Okay. That's a bit cocky. No need for that. Um, <laughs> well, course, I just destroyed this last week, didn't I? It was just, it's just so easy. Yeah. So. Listening yeah. from home, listening on the bus, play along with us. That rhymes. Oh my god. Go me. I'm not even um, going for that. Okay. <laughs> this one is a lot harder than last week. I let you have last week pretty easy. Um, <laughs> the player. Well, once we get it within three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> the player I have selected has played for A League teams, including Sydney FC, including as the keyword, mm-hmm. Western Sydney Wanderers. Alex Bomyhan. Mate. I'm still listing these teams. Okay. Okay? Wow. Rude. Uh, Sydney FC, Western Sydney Wanderers, Central Coast Mariners, and the Wellington Phoenix, and he is currently at MacArthur. Ooh. Ooh. Tricky. There goes your three seconds. They're already expired. All right, all right, all right. Already expired. I was about to say Danny De Silva, but he didn't play for Western Sydney or Wellington, so it can't be him. There are also two other clubs that I didn't list because I didn't want to make this too easy. Oh wow! This is a this is a real recycled player. Yeah, he's been taken out of a few recycling depots. Oh yeah, that's a yeah. proper. Oh yeah, it's yeah. um, a proper Mr. Fix It. <laughs> Jeez. Should I give you another clue? Jake McGing. He hasn't played for the Wellington Phoenix, has he? 
No? No. No? Neither has he played for the Western Sydney Wanderers. No, he hasn't. That's true. Um, okay. No, 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 no. In, in, I, okay. No, no, no. I don't want a clue. I don't want a clue. Yeah, but otherwise we'll be here for five minutes and people switch off. Fair enough. All right. In Come order, <laughs> he has played for Sydney FC, Adelaide United, Western Sydney Wanderers, Perth Glory, Central Coast Mariners, Wellington Phoenix, and now MacArthur United. In between. Those MacArthur United. Eight, That's a new club. Well, Maca- yeah, the MacArthur United Bulls. No, MacArthur FC. Are they not MacArthur United? No. Unless I missed something. Yeah, that is extraordinarily embarrassing. Wow. Um, in between... Um, <laughs> in between stints... Um, in between stints in the A-League, of course, he's been at teams like... Perak FC, Badak Lampung, Buncheon FC, Persepolis, Sheriff, Terapsol. He's been all over the place, this man. He's very well-travelled. And he is a fullback. You're really running out of time now. Who is this person? <laughs> he's Anthony Golek. No, I was like, oh my god, you just gave it to him. Well, there was no way you were going to guess it. Oh my god, Anthony oh, Golek. Yeah. Of course, Anthony Golek. I completely yeah. forgot. Has he even played much this season for MacArthur? I don't think he's played a game. Yeah, that's why. See, he wasn't fresh in my memory. Oh well, too bad. Damn uh, it. Your knowledge is not good enough, Christian Marchetti. Thank <laughs> you so much. I'll catch you on the next one, and we hope to have your company as well. If you've got a random player that you want me to make Christian guess and fail again, because now he's... One from two. All right. One from two. Send it through to all us, right. of course. Trump well, Patreon. I won our debate today, so that's all right. <laughs> so, plenty <laughs> more to come this week in Australian football. We are looking forward to it. Hopefully, Miss Omicron and her world tour, at least her Australian leg of her world where, tour. Where have you got this Miss Omicron thing from? Is this... Uh, You're clearly not up to date with the trend. No, because I'm just off all COVID stuff because... Very fair. Just for my Very mental fair. health. Anyway, anyway it's time for us to go to bed. So, Christian Marchetti, thank you so much for your company and we'll catch you on the next one. This has been another instalment of the Front Page Football Podcast. Until then, it's goodbye. Yeah.